we're going to have a reading, and we're reading from the book of Judges, and Linda's going to come up and share it with us this morning. I don't, it's Judges 13, but you're reading from the NIV, so it's slightly different. The birth of Samson, again the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. A certain man of Zorah, named Manoah, from the clan of the Danites, had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor, because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Then the woman went to her husband and told him, A man of God came to me. He looked like an angel of God, very awesome. I didn't ask him where he came from, and he didn't tell me his name. But he said to me, You will become pregnant and have a son. Now then drink no wine or other fermented drink, and do not eat anything unclean, because the boy will be a Nazarite of God from the womb to the day of his death. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I beg you to let the man of God you sent to us come again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. Thank you, Linda. I don't normally, normally feel conscious up here, but I do this morning because as several of you will know, I've broken a front tooth, which it's not as straightforward as just putting one back in because uh, I've got to have a fair bit of treatment done. So I'm going to lisp and slur and things this morning, so forgive me. Now, if you're of a certain age, your mind will take you back to Cecil B. DeMille's Samson and Delilah. It was filmed in 1949 and starred Victor Mature as Samson and Hedy Lamar as Delilah. And if you've not heard of them before, you might know Angela Lansbury, Murder, She Wrote. She was in it too. And as we saw, there was a more recent version made in 2000 and was it 16 or 18, but that's by the by. In many ways, we know of Samson because of Delilah. But as we will see, there is a lot more to him than one imagines. Like many of the characters that we are looking at, in the series, they are portrayed over three or four chapters in our Bibles. And Samson takes up four in Judges 13 to Judges 16. The story begins like many others. A woman is barren, a couple childless. It was always assumed that it was the woman's fault. And you can sense a feeling of inadequacy, failure, of not pleasing God, let alone your husband. Like the births of Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, Samson's birth is announced by an angel to a barren woman. So an angel of the Lord visits, and we don't even know her name. She is referred to as woman 
Samson's mower, Samson's mother, or Manoah's wife. The angel tells her she will bear a son and informs her of the conditions not to drink wine or strong drink or to eat anything unclean. He is to be set apart from birth as a Nazirite. He too must abstain from anything that comes from grapes. No razor must touch their hair, for it must grow long until their appointed time has come. They are to remain clean by avoiding anyone who dies, even if it's his parents, his brother, or his sister, for their consecration is upon their head. All the days of their lives, they are to remain holy to the Lord. Now, if you want to understand more about the Nazirites, you will find it in number six, just before what we know as the priestly benediction. We know it as the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The blessing God tells Moses to bless the Israelites. And like with any of the other heroes of faith, we go from baby to man without any childhood stories. And we're told that the Lord blessed him and that the spirit of the Lord began to stir in him. In this case, we really go from birth to marriage, where sadly that doesn't even really begin, let alone last. Now let me say here that Samson is used to pretty women. Let's face it, with those good looks and with all that strength, he must have turned many a pretty eye. And I'm sure many men would have been in awe of him with rippling muscles and a flat stomach like mine. Sorry, was it... <laughs> But he was set aside, predestined by God. And yet we get glimpses that it's not going to turn out well. In chapter 13, verse 5, the angel of the Lord says that Samuel, Samson sorry, will begin, I'll say that again, will begin to deliver Israel from the hand of the Philistines. In short, there is no deliverance. While the Spirit is most present in Samson's story. It depicts the least effect in terms of accomplishing God's purposes. You see, without human receptiveness and faithfulness, God's gifts are wasted. And there's no better example in the Bible than Samson, as we will see. However, let's return to his marriage. A Philistine woman has caught his eye, and he asks his parents to obtain her for him. They know it's wrong, and suggest he, he looks for someone of their own kin or people. It falls upon deaf ears. And God sees the violation of the Nazirite status as an opportunity to oppose oppression. Sadly, Samson fails badly here, and God's intentions are again delayed due to human weakness. So along with his parents and the bride, there are to be 30 companions, as was their custom. Samson has recently killed a lion with his bare hands and now sees the carcass with a swarm of bees and honey and scoops some of it with his hands 
and shares it with his parents. He doesn't tell them where it came from, as he would have been unclean, having touched a dead carcass. And we see that he has brains as well as brawn, (coughs) because he puts a riddle before these 30 companions based on what he has just done. He obviously has a sense of humor, or is it pride? And says, out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. From this riddle comes betrayal and deceit. His new wife is told to obtain the answer to his strength, or her family's house will be burnt down. No doubt a difficult decision for any new wife. And after seven days of crying and nagging, not my words, Samson gives in. And his wife tells the 30 companions the answer to the riddle. So early on in his marriage, Samson feels betrayed and is filled with anger and kills 30 men of the village. And he returns with their wealth and their clothing and gives it to those 30 companions that were there. When things don't work out the way we hope for, where do we return to? We go home to creature comforts, a family home where we are loved and accepted. And we remember the story of the prodigal son returning to his father, and that is where Samson went. We're not told how long he was there, only that he went to see his wife at the time of the wheat harvest. His anger had waned, and he wanted to see her. Now, imagine being told that it was assumed that he had rejected her, that she had been given to the best man. I'm sure his anger was even greater. And we read that he captured 300 foxes, tying a torch between each of the two tails, and set them towards the grain stalls, the vineyards, and the olive groves. It gets worse as the Philistines set alight his wife and his father. They set them on fire. Now, while we look at Samson as a womanizer, we should also consider what has happened in his life that may have led to his actions. When new people visit us and join us at ABC, they, like us, have baggage. They may have been hurt, lied to or betrayed, and are cautious. They may be on a journey of faith while trying to give up alcohol, drugs, or gambling. They could be troubled with fear or guilt. They could have been physically or mentally abused. Or they might be living with a life-threatening disease or illness. You see, we don't know what has gone on in their life that has brought them to this place. We don't know how it's affected them. Some will be withdrawn, some will be angry, others confused and hurting. Our role is to love and accept them and bring them to a faith in Jesus. So when we look at Samson, take on board his hurt, his loss before judging him. Yes, he wanted to marry outside his own. Yes, he had a great sexual appetite. Yes, he used his strength for his own gain. But consider this. 
How would you feel if your loved one betrayed you? If you were then found that your loved one was given to your best friend and to cap it all was burnt to death? Can you begin to see how these actions changed his outlook on life? Can you understand his anger towards the Philistines, towards life in general, towards others? Can you see why people are attracted to the church when their life is in a mess? When they arrive, we won't know. We won't know it because the hurt is locked inside. But it's locked in until Jesus is allowed to heal and restore them. But we too are no different. For who knows what is in, locked inside us? Those things that we're not prepared to deal with, a rotten childhood, a bullying and abusive partner, betrayal. Only Jesus can help. Only Jesus is faithful, loyal, and trustworthy. Don't look at me, for I am weak. At some point I will fail you or upset you. I am human like you. We say that Jesus is the answer, and he is the only one that can sort out your childhood, your life, your marriage. You just must let go and trust him. Most of you will know that last weekend, several of us here were at the gathering, and we heard some amazing stories, amazing testimonies. One in particular I'm going to share with you this morning is of a man who was probably about 30. He had a decent job. However, he loved violence. He loved fighting. Well, on a Saturday, he would go to watch his local football match only because he wanted to fight. He then started to go to away matches, which to me was even more dangerous because you're not on your own territory. And he would go and fight. Now, when this job he had, as I said, was quite a good job, but he would often turn up drunk on a Monday morning. And his immediate boss was saying, go and sit in the car, sleep in the car for an hour. Come back in when you're a bit better. And he would cover for him at other times. This man was a Christian. And he invited him around to tea. And he came to tea and met his family and spent time with them. He invited him to church. And he said, I'm not into that God stuff. And yet he did attend church one Sunday. His life spiraled downwards even more. And he suddenly cried out to God, if you are real, prove it to me. That night, he had the same dream three times. He was a football manager in this dream, and he had to sign a person called Jeremiah, but he didn't know what shirt number to give him. Was it 29 or 11? Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you. Isn't that amazing? God spoke to this man through a dream. And that changed his life. Isn't it amazing to hear stories like that? It may not happen to you or me, but it happens to someone. And we should rejoice and share their story with others as I have this morning. It is said that our childhood, our upbringing, creates our personality and outlook on life. Well, for Samson, despite being brought up by godly parents, 
And knowing that God had specifically chosen him and gifted him, Samson allowed his sensual appetite to control his actions again and again. Samson did not possess the inner strength to accompany his outer strength, and that became his downfall. Samson's life story offers a sobering reminder of the limitations of God-given talents. You see, if the temptation is to rely on these gifts and to ignore a commitment in personal growth and holiness, we can fall short of what God wants us to be. What am I saying here? We need to be disciplined. We need to read our Bibles. We need to pray. We need to love. A commentator once wrote, it is often the very area in which a person is most gifted proves to be his or her weakness. For Samson, it was strength. Great strength masked great weakness. He lacked personal discipline in his body. His body was not enough to help serve him well. But as I said earlier, we must look at ourselves and ask ourselves, what areas of my life am I weak and failing? Have I a short temper? Am I impatient? Am I rude? Could I have responded in a better way? Am I seeking to elevate myself over others? Have I a critical spirit? Do I delight in putting others down? You see, we might have a gift in teaching scripture, but might mask hypocrisy. We might be able to stand up here and preach, while also mask an inability to relate to others. We might have a gift of compassion while masking cynicism. I could carry on. But as we recognize our own forms of strength and weakness, let us not grow discouraged. For the God who has created us stands with us, ready to keep forming us in response to our obedience. Yes, we must be obedient. So it is here where we will notice our part in all this. We must be obedient to God in following Jesus' teachings. We must put aside our earthly desires of flesh, lust, greed, materialism, and possessions. But what is your earthly pleasure? What is your secret sin? What is your worst personality weakness? But we are not to live with it and accept it as our thorn in the flesh. We are to deal with it, change it, repent of it, and become the person that Jesus wants us to be and intends us to be. Then we will find joy and peace and much more. Samson's failure was that he did not want to change. He didn't want to lose what he thought was precious to him, which eventually became his downfall. It is a general observation that men have a wandering eye. I know that you're automatically thinking of men walking down the street and glancing at a pretty woman. 
and do that obvious attempt to try not to look and make it obvious that you're looking out of the corner of your eyes or a sidewards glance that not so subtle turning of the head but I'm not really talking about that but when men are talking but looking elsewhere do you know I hate conversations when you talk to people and they look at the sky and they look around you but they're not looking at you in the face I don't understand that I had a college lecturer that used to do that he would tell us about things but it but they were up there they weren't down there many of us have a roving eye not just lust or something to but something to distract you from what you should be doing or what you ought to be the Bible gives us many stories many examples of men who seek their desires rather than God's I'm not innocent here I've worn the t-shirt and suffered the consequences Samson is one of many in our Bibles Noah got drunk however the shame fell upon his two sons David the giant killer wanted Uriah's wife and sent her husband to be killed on the front line Elijah caused rain to stop for three years saw a limitless jar of wheat and oil witnessed a widow's son resurrected and beat the prophets of Baal by calling down fire from heaven but he had a breakdown and took refuge in a cave we know of Peter's denial of Jesus in the courtyard of the Sanhedrin he was the only disciple that walked on the water and was the first to say that Jesus was the Christ Saul of Tarsus was present and gave the order for Stephen to be stoned to death and after that he went from door to door in search of Christians and put them in prison and he even saw the people down who those Christians wrote to was this the end for them all absolutely not nations descended from Noah and we are part of that David when confronted with his guilt admits his sin and repents when we have sinned we must recognize it and repent God's forgiveness doesn't save us from the consequences of our actions but if we've abandoned the behavior and are willing to accept the consequences God will still use us as for Elijah God allowed him to rest and spoke words of encouragement that he was not alone burnout is only permanent if you allow it don't listen to everything that you're tempted to believe when you're exhausted take time to care for yourself physically spiritually and emotionally and then get back in the game Peter is the first of the 12 that Jesus appears to after the resurrection he becomes the leader of the disciples and his preaching led 3,000 to Jesus on one occasion failure doesn't disqualify you even if you've been following Jesus for some time Saul while on a journey to find other Christians 
has an encounter with a resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus and becomes the main writer of the New Testament. For those who put their trust in Jesus later in life, there are bound to be reasons that you feel inadequate for service. But the gospel is so powerful that our transformation becomes a profound testimony to God's goodness and grace. Your story is still being written. The only way that failure can get the last word in our life is if we choose to let it. We serve a God who can take our defeats and mistakes and still use us to bring glory to his name. Whether you've been walking with him faithfully and you've had a few stumbles on the way, he's encouraging you to help build his kingdom. As for Samson, well, his final actions brought the house down. May we continue to faithfully follow the example of our Lord Jesus Christ and to him be all the glory. Amen.